Hi, Chris Valentin here. Welcome to my podcast, where I hope to inspire you to transform the world within you and transform the world around you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Did you know that only 31% of kids in America believe in God? A concerning statistic that correlates with other trends like increased anxiety, depression, and suicide rates in our youth. Is it possible that the content that our kids are exposed to in this digital age is playing a role here? On average, kids spend over seven hours a day in front of a screen, and screens aren't going away. What options do we have as parents and grandparents to protect our children and help them grow in faith? If you're as concerned as I am, and you also believe in the value of raising our children on solid faith foundations and positive Christian values like I do, then I'm excited to tell you about a company that's fighting back by meeting kids right where they are. True Play Games is a mobile app that offers high-quality faith-building alternatives to toxic content that is pervasive today. It's one app with dozens of entertaining games, comics, and animated shorts, and every piece of content in the True Play app is designed with care to be engaging, entertaining, and most importantly, true to the Word of God. True Play effectively turns game time into God time, delivering peace of mind in these turbulent times. You can learn more and try it out for free at trueplay.com. That's T-R-U-P-L-A-Y games.com. Well, welcome to Cultural Catalyst, where we teach you how to live fully alive, co-labor with God, and change the world. I'm your host, Chris Valentin, and today I have a very interesting guest and a good friend of mine, Brian Ellis. So welcome to Cultural Catalyst. Thanks for having me, Chris. I'm going to tell a little bit about your story, and you can fix it if I get it wrong. Okay, yeah. So you are the founder of Adventure Challenge, which is very interesting. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. But you are also a Forbes under 30, let's see, Forbes 30 under 30, I think I got that you right. You got that right, yep. Honorary, 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 did I say that right? On, yeah, I, I, I think so. That You've been honored right. by yes, Forbes yes. 30 when yes. you were under 30. Yeah. And uh, and today you've sold over three million adventure challenge products globally, mm-hmm. and I I got to be a part of you know your story not your story but I mean I've known you since you started that company mm-hmm. and watched just like explode yeah so what is adventure challenge let's start right there so the best way to describe it is uh, they're scratch off adventure books okay where you can't actually see what any of the adventures are in the book until okay. you scratch off this lottery ticket scratcher material and then it tells you what to go do. So you have no idea what you're going to get yourself into until you're like, let's play the game. Let's do the book. And so we have one for da- um, for couples like dating, for okay. families, one to do by yourself. And so we've created, you know, books for all different types of genres. And so that's essentially what it is. It's a, it's a, it's a book game with like, it comes with like a Polaroid camera. So when you do the adventure, you take a picture and it's like a little keepsake portfolio of all the adventures you've been on so so you, so you kind of keep a journal of your adventure yeah it's like a journal of the adventure after you're okay done. so uh what would a dating one be like so okay so we you agree with this woman or this man to be on a date an adventure challenge yeah and you go okay we, i don't know what we're gonna do tonight Here's totally the challenge yeah so you maybe you get the book you open it up you scratch off one of the squares it tells you like a little hint about okay. what you're gonna do okay. like it says like how much money it's gonna cost how much time it'll take you know just so you know okay, what you're getting good. into yeah, yeah so you're not totally blinded by the event but you don't know what the activity is so you scratch off the little you know material and one of the adventures would be like you're gonna make an apple pie together but one of you is gonna be blindfolded 
And the other person who's not blindfolded is going to be guiding you to do the cooking with their hands. (laughs) So it's cute. It's flirty. There's some touching. It's taking something that's a little ordinary and adding an an adventurous element to it. And so all the adventures are, are similar to that. It's not like you hear the adventure challenge and you think skydiving bungee jumping or swimming with sharks. It's not like that. It's this aspect of novelty, bringing something new to the relationship. And when you're doing something new, it opens up new conversation. It opens up, you know, different dialogue. And I mean, it's just, it's just super fun. So how many different kinds of adventures do you have right now? Approximately. Oh, hundreds. I mean, each, each book has 50 adventures. And how many books are there that you, hundreds, seven or eight different books right now. Okay. Um, but I mean, to create the book, we, I created probably 300 adventures and then we tested all of them to see which ones were the best. And so like, and it's evolved over the years. So the adventures in the books are like tested and focus group studied and you know, all Got of it. these things to make sure so these not are eating fun worms to do. or something. Oh yeah. It's not like fear factor. Yeah. They're, they're all things that I like to do, Yeah, you know, I, I enjoy doing whether with my girlfriend or with my friends or community, I made the book because I have ADHD and I hated going to game nights where you're just sitting around playing settlers, Catan or a boring game. Bro, you're speaking my language. I know it's, and I, I, I don't know what it was, but I was like, dude, if somebody made a game that every time you played it, you did something different and you didn't know what you were getting yourself into until you decided to play. I was like, that'd be a game I'd like to play. And you know, it, then evolved into this so whole you, thing. So you came up with the idea? Yes, I did. Yeah, the, the idea was all mine. Well, it's kind of Had interesting. You, did, was there any, like, was there any, like, genesis to the idea or just woke up one day and had it in your mind? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's interesting. So I had the concept of a game like that where it was like if somebody could make a game that you don't know what you're playing until you play it, I'd buy that game. And I, I remember having that thought, like, 10 years ago. And I just let it go. I had the thought. It went away. I was having a quiet time, maybe six years ago, six or seven years ago. And I was worshiping. I wasn't thinking about ideas. I wasn't asking God for anything. And I saw a picture of the book open up and there was the adventures covered with the lottery ticket scratcher. And I literally thought- oh, In your mind. In my mind. I, yeah. just, I, I saw a picture of it in my head. And I thought, that's such a good idea. And I still have the screenshot. I just wrote down adventure book scratch off. And- I didn't know that six years later that would be my whole world. Like wow. that, that, that idea would change crazy. my life the way I knew it. And so that's where the idea came from. And it was, it was honestly, it was spending time with God and the idea just came. And you learned head. that from Bethel school, supernatural ministry. Yes, absolutely. It, it was right a there. great Chris investment. Felton, yeah. Chris Felton's message. You know, actually it wasn't a, a vision. I actually remember Chris talking <laughs> and that brought in the image. And Let's, I was can like, we stop right it now? It was you or Bill though. I don't remember no, which no, one. No, 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 not Bill. No, <laughs> That's that's crazy. Okay, so uh, you created this book. Mm-hmm. Um, h- how long after that did you actually turn into a business? So there was a little bit of a process. I'm going to okay. give you kind of the short version because yeah. I don't want to go too far into it because it could take hours. But um, I was actually working a job that I liked and I was pursuing acting at the time. And so my job was to inspect you know, skyscrapers. Yeah, hotels. I just I, I took pictures of them and then I filled out a report for earthquake insurance. God. And it, I love the job. I don't have a college degree, and this job paid me, you know, five, six, seven grand a month, which was great for a single person, no college degree, Is pursuing. Still active. open? What? I mean, dude, you, you know how many friends are <laughs> yeah. like, can you? Can I get this gig now? <laughs> yeah. I burnt that bridge. I'll so, tell you why. So, you know, there was a day where I was I was in school, 
and I had to go get this inspection done. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to make it to this inspection. So I called the building and I said, hey, can uh, one of your staff take these pictures for me? Um, which there were no rules against doing that, but yeah. I knew it was a gray area. <laughs> so the staff man took the pictures. Moving towards black. Yeah, it was, I mean, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't great. And so he sent me all the pictures. I filled out the report and submitted it. The next day I got a call from the owner. He said, hey, we just got a report that you had them send you pictures for this report. In my natural, my first instinct was, no, absolutely not. I didn't do that. I just straight up lied to him. He said, I, I didn't do that. I filled out the report myself. I was there. I took the pictures. And he was like, okay, well, I don't know what they're talking about. But yeah, they're blaming you for doing that. And I was like, that's crazy. So hung up the phone, immediately <laughs> felt crazy convicted. And my day was ruined. I just, I was, and I was having this conversation with God because I felt like he was like, you need to call and tell the truth. You need to tell them what happened. And I'm like, God, no, I'm going to be an actor. I need this job so I don't have to work as a barista or work as, as a waiter and I can go to auditions and I can do this thing. And he was like, so you have taken your life in your control and you don't trust me. <laughs> and I remember I was walking in circles in my room and I was like, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. But if I lose this job, like I'm going to be, be mad. Yeah. So I called the manager and I said, hey, I lied. I didn't take those pictures. I actually asked him to take the pictures. And he was like, wow, that was so thank you for telling me that that's so brave of you. You're fired, but thank you for that. I, that takes so much guts. I was waiting for that. Cause I didn't know that I, I haven't heard that story. Yeah. And I, I was devastated. And in that devastation and panic, I'm like, how do I make money? I need to do something. And so I thought I'm going to create a real estate photography company in Reading because there's not a lot of competition. I know real estate. I know photography. So I drive to Best Buy. I'm filling up a shopping cart with all this, you know, camera gear and stuff. And I walk past this Polaroid camera. And I saw it and I heard the Holy Spirit say, buy that camera and make your scratch off book. And I was like, God, I need a business to Seriously. start. I don't need a hobby. I need a business, not a hobby. That's a hobby. And he was like, buy the camera, start your book. And I felt it like deep in my spirit to, to do this. And I'm like, <laughs> whatever. So That's I get rid of all the camera equipment. I grab the Fiji film Polaroid camera, swipe my credit card, 70 bucks, go to Hobby Lobby, buy a notebook go home. And I felt like he said, film the whole process as if it's going to be a success. So I have footage on like YouTube where I'm like, Hey guys, this is day number one. I'm going to make the scratch off book. Here we go. And that set me on the journey of making it. And you know, the rest is kind of history. Now we've sold millions around the world and it's been a crazy experience, but it was wild to be like, God took something that was initially bad and there was so much grace on owning up and fixing the mistake. If I wouldn't have confessed to that lie, I don't think I'd have my company. Wow. Because I would have kept working that job that I thought was so important to make five or $6,000 a month for my career. And I was like, no, it's okay if you get fired because I have something better for you. And Which so, is like, hello, my name is Phil. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like, yeah. <laughs> this is a catalyst for a book too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Embracing present failures for future success. We'll talk about that in, in a, another minute. So I'm, I had it. Um, you and I met mm -hmm. the first time in my office. I mean, mm -hmm. we'd met a few times, but in my office. Yeah. And I think you were about 18 months into your business. It was pretty early mm -hmm. on. Yeah. And you had already done how much money? Like that millions, yeah, millions. Millions at that point, yeah, millions mm -hmm. of dollars mm -hmm. in that point, and, I, and we have this dialogue, and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm making all this money. I don't. <laughs> I have this conversation yeah, like you're yeah, a brand yeah. new entrepreneur. Like yeah. it kind of happened to you. Yeah, explain that process and what part. I, I mean, <laughs> so you, you you got scratch off book, mm -hmm. 
and then you you create a business, you have no idea it's going to explode like that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. None. Not at all. No, my goal was to make $2,000 a month so I could go <laughs> pursue acting. That's what I thought, yeah. you know, and and so, you know, once we started, I got a business partner and we started making, you know, commercials for it. And, you know, we're running ad dollars for Facebook, Instagram behind it. And we start making this money. And it took a while. It took a lot of work to get these going. Um, Did but, it? but it went from zero to 100 quick. So yeah. it was like a lot of work. It's not working. It's not working. We try an ad. It doesn't work. We try a video. It doesn't go viral. We try a Kickstarter. The Kickstarter failed. And it was like, I'm just sitting on like a thousand books like, man, we're never going to sell these. And then, you know, I, I filmed this one ad with my iPhone, edited it on iMovie, gave it to my business partner. He put it in the system and we made our first million with that ad. And so it just <laughs> took off and it was it's like a Justin Bieber story. Yeah, it was weird. It was, it was weird. And then you the go Lord. from being $40,000 in debt to making millions of dollars. And, and it was, it was crazy. It was absolutely wild. And, and then, you know, Forbes, you were one of the top 30 entrepreneurs so, in the nation mm-hmm. under 30 years old. Yeah. It, was that like your three, your two or three? That was exactly two years ago to the day that I won that award. And, and how, how many years have you been in business? Well, for this company, six years. Six years. Six years, yeah. So it was about four years into it to when I won the Forbes 30 Under 30 Award. Um, That's insane. Yeah, so it was – and I, I think I, I could have won it but uh, maybe a few years before, but I had someone on my team who was like, you could win this award. And I was like, I didn't even think I'd be eligible. And I had the interview with the judges, and there were like 10,000 um, – over 10,000 people who were applying for this award. And I didn't know I wanted it so bad until I was told maybe you could get it. And I'm having these interviews with the judges and, wow. and I, there was a lot of thoughts. I was like, I, I feel like Forbes is a really, really like politically left-leaning company. I'm more conservative. I don't know if they're going to like me. And I was like, I don't even think I'm going to get this award because of, wow. and, uh, and so it was crazy that I woke up. Yeah. December 1st, two years ago today, I woke up and I had the email that you've won and it was, it was exciting. It was really exciting. exciting. How has that changed your life? Like you had a journey with mm-hmm. like, I mean, you'd never run a company big like that. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden you have all these employees struggling with challenging anxiety. Tell, tell me a little bit about that. Then like, how did you work through all of that? Um, you suddenly had all this responsibility you didn't even ask for. Yeah. Here's a quote from Jim Carrey. He says, uh, I wish everyone could get rich and famous so they could see that getting rich and famous isn't the answer. Um, I'm not famous, obviously. Um, I made a lot of money really quick, a lot of success in a short window of time. I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned from the success I've had is external success does not fix internal wounds and internal things you're going through. And I think one of the, that was a harder pill to swallow because a lot of us are chasing these dangling carrots of like, if I can achieve this and I'm lovable, if I can achieve this and I'm worthy of this, if I can do this and I'll feel good about myself, like we all have insecurities and things we're struggling with. But if you think that these external awards are going to fix those things, then you're in for a rude awakening. And a lot of us never achieve the external carrot that we're dangling. And so we just, we kind of put our hope in it. Like money's our God. Money's, you know, achieving this awards, my God, if I were to get this, this would fix the problems. And the biggest thing was, it didn't fix any of my problems. It actually heightened them because then once you don't have, you know, money's a very big God until you realize how small it is. And once I achieved 
and got the money that I wanted, then it was like, well, I'm hopeless because all of the anxiety and security and things that I'm dealing with, like who's going to save me from it? And obviously totally. people say, well, it was God, but it was, yeah, but it was all these subconscious ideas of, no, these things are going to make me feel better. And it took me getting them to realize, oh, it's actually not going to get me to where I need to go. It's not going to fix the pain. And it actually, so two years ago, I went on a really profound journey of, yeah. um, and I never lost my relationship with the Lord in the process of building the company, yeah. but it did suffer. Yeah. And, and I think it's really significant even just, being here talking to you today, knowing that two years ago today, I won the award because that was the moment when I was like, I won Forbes 30 under 30, the award I thought was going to make me feel like I'm on top of the world and I'm the king of entrepreneurs. And it made me feel, it was like, it was like a drug. Like you feel this moment of euphoria and then you feel even worse than you did before because you think it's going to, it's like a medication. It's not going to work. You feel like, do you, do you feel like an imposter? Yeah. And so that's when I decided I'm going to go on this journey and really work through the things that are plaguing me, my pain, my insecurities, you know, all of this stuff. I'm going to go on a journey of finding healing for that instead of trying to use these external things as validation to cover up and numb them. So does that answer your question? Yeah, that, that, okay. that's incredible. Mm. Yeah, it really does. Uh, and so, yeah, that's, that's it's a it's an amazing, wonderful story. Okay, so now we're going to talk about the book. Okay, yeah. Okay. So, uh, first of all, I, I have yet to, all I've done is skim this book because I just got mm -hmm. it, actually. It, it's not It's not even, I don't think it's released quite yet, is no, it? No, uh, it releases January 2nd. January 2nd. So, yeah. we got another month before it comes out. Mm -hmm. um, and, but I did skim it, and, and, I, and I do love what, let me just read part of this right here. Mm -hmm. The difference between those who succeed and those who, who cannot can be narrowed down to a common trait. Those who fail, those who see failure as the end, and those who understand failure to be an education for their future success. I want to read yeah. the next paragraph. Yeah. These engaging letters personify failure as your mentor, your guide, and friend, offering profound insights into the crucial role it plays in shaping your future success and the, and the success it has helped create throughout mm -hmm. history. And so each one of these chapters is like failure is talking to you yeah, it's like a, it's like failure is a human almost. Yeah, and it's telling you what you could learn from what what about what you how you failed in yeah. that particular exactly. Tell yeah, them about that. Yeah, Why? each letter is like failure is addressing you as the reader, and so um, I feel like we lose more in life from our fear fear of failure than we actually do from failure. And I wanted to create a book that helped people understand the role that failure plays in Oof, your life. This is so good. And so we show up, like we show up to the game of life. Life throws us a curveball, we swing and miss. Those who go, well, that's evidence that I'm never going to achieve my dreams. Those are the people who don't make it. The people who I see make it are the ones who show up to the game of life. Life throws them a curveball, they swing and miss and say, what can I do differently next time to give myself a better chance at hitting the ball? Maybe it was my form. Maybe I need more repetitions. Maybe, you know, I, I need to prepare myself different. Maybe I need more sleep. It's, it's almost like a scientific approach of evaluating where did I hit the, where did I miss the mark and where can I improve? And that's where failure comes in. Failure shows you the way by, shows you, by showing you what's not the way. Failure is a guide to success, not the deterrent from success. In the book, it says failure is not, he says, I am not the opposite of your success. I'm the prerequisite. Without failure, you actually can't succeed. And so I was like, if I could create a book that helped people embrace the journey of getting to know what failure does for you, 
that's a book I would have given to my 18-year-old self. And so when I went on the journey of making it, I was telling you it took me about four years to write. It's a small <laughs> book, you can see. It's not like a big book. Um, um, that, that is an extraordinary long time to write a book. Very long time, yeah. yeah. I'm, not a, I'm not a writer. So, I mean, well, um, now I it's, am. But, it's, it's done well, but, actually. Thank you. I appreciate it. But, yeah, it took a long time. I wanted it to be done well. I wanted, I wanted each letter to feel like something I wanted to give my past self or some, or my current self, or I, I'd want to give, I coach and mentor different entrepreneurs. I'd want I wanted to make it to where I could give it to them and they could go like, this is helping me embrace failure. This is helping me understand that this risk I'm taking has a purpose and it's not going to lead me to my detriment, but to my, you know, oh, this, this, I said to you off, off camera mm -hmm. that this reminds me of a Ted talk. Like this mm -hmm. ought to be, a, you know, a few Ted talks. Actually. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Tell me one of your greatest failures and and let me know what you learned from it. Great. Well, it didn't have to be the greatest. Just okay. How about one? Uh, do you want like, have I, I told you about the million dollars I lost, right? No, no. Tell me that one. I didn't tell if, you about if that I, one. If I, if you, if I did, you didn't tell, you didn't tell okay. these guys. So I lost my first million dollars that how, I ever made. How'd you do that? By investing in a company that went bankrupt. <laughs> The lesson I, I learned. I have a couple of those stories. Do you, oh my gosh! Yeah. yeah so uh, it was during COVID. I had I had made my first million. Super excited. I was like, Yeah, I'm a millionaire. Blah blah blah. And um, one of my friends called me and he was like, Hey, I work for this company. I know the owner. He's incredible. They just got a, an order from the state of Illinois to buy all these masks, and but they don't have the capital to to get the inventory from China to the state of Illinois. They showed me the contract. It was from the feds. It was a legit contract. I had my lawyers look at it. He was like, they need a million dollars to free the inventory and they'll pay you 1.2 back. So basically you make 200 grand for loaning the money for 10 days. And I'm like, this is great. This is like, you know, I, I have capital. It's during COVID. Not a lot of people have capital. I'm going to make 200 grand in 10 days. So wired all of the money and... I have not seen a penny of it to this day. <laughs> and what I learned... Do you know, I have a friend that did the same thing with the same... I don't know person. if it's the same company. I bet you it's the same company because he got about $8 million. I think he's a people. scammer. Yeah, so it with this situation, he, he, he does a lot of shady stuff. With this situation in particular, when the money hit his account, the IRS seized it because he had owed so much money. <laughs> so that's where my money went. And he's going to go to jail for a long time, I found out. But um, but it was a bad situation. And I learned, don't invest more than you're willing to lose. You know, that was the, the, the lesson I took from that. But it was interesting because um, I, you know, I made more money after that. Obviously, it could, yeah. have been, it could have been devastating. If I won the lottery and then lost it all, that would have been awful. But, uh, you know, that, there's that. But that that's a big failure that I tell people because it's yeah. like, yeah, that feels really extreme. But some of the failures that have hurt the most, hurt the most, <laughs> hurt the most. Some of the failures that have hurt the most are the ones where, in in the book, I talk about the difference between losing and failing. Failing, Ooh. losing is when you show up to a risk unprepared, swing and miss. You don't learn from that. Failing, and I see, and this is failing in a positive way, is when you show up to a risk prepared, swing and miss. Because then you can evaluate what you didn't do and say, how can I show up more prepared? But when you lose, it's just you weren't prepared. You were lazy. Don't blame don't blame your lack of success on failure. Blame it on you not being powerful in preparing yourself before you go up and take the risk. And so the failures that have hurt the, the most are the losses where I didn't show up prepared. I was given an opportunity and I decided to wing it. 
and I didn't get the result I wanted. And it was like, dang, I just wasted that whole opportunity because I didn't prepare. And so hiring an employee that you didn't do proper research on, hmm. and then you have to find out that you have to let them oh, go. Oh, really? Does that ever happen? Yeah, and it's it's devastating. Oh, and yeah. so it, it's all these micro mistakes where it's like, I should have been more prepared. Do I learn now to be more prepared? Absolutely. But th I think those are the failures that have stung the most in life. Uh, I have a, a very close person to me that had a $30,000 job this real recently. Hmm. And uh, he was all excited about it. And then um, and then this particular job, he didn't get the equipment in time. He was a few a couple of days late. Mm -hmm. uh, it kept the, he kept the customer informed, but just didn't get the equipment in time. He had to rent equipment. And the customer used somebody else and got uh, $3,000 cheaper. Dang. And so, you know, he, he's, he's hot off of that. Like he's just learned. He like, he's just drove back from the customer's house. Oh, that's you rough. know how that feels, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and he, and it's a new business. So that's a significant amount of money for Absolutely. him. Right. Yeah. And he, and he's, you know, he comes to my driveway and he goes, ah, oh, I never believe what happened. And, you know, he tells me a story and I'm like, okay, so was that a $30,000 education mm. or is that just a mistake? Mm -hmm. <laughs> he said, what do you mean by that? I, I said, well, this could be a, a, a really, like, this could be like a university, first year university you just paid for. A hundred percent, yeah. Or you just screwed up. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh. I said, well, just, if you knew that was going to happen, what would you do now? He said, oh, I would have had him sign the contract ahead of time. I would have got a down payment for three or four grand on a $30,000 job. Guess what? You just made yourself a whole bunch of money. Yeah. Because that will never happen. Well, if it happens to you again, you're going to walk away with the with the down payment. And imagine that's a big loss. The thirty thousand dollars is a big mm -hmm. loss now. But imagine five years down the road when he doesn't make that with a half a million dollar contract. Exactly. And it's like it hurts so bad now. But I love that you took that as an educational time to be like, this was Dave Ramsey calls it stupid tax. Yeah. You know the tax. Stupid tax. Yeah, exactly. stupid tax. And it's it's funny. It's like yeah, that's the tax you pay for. But you know, it's educational. It's it's the ta it's the price you pay for being uneducated. And I feel like that's what's brilliant about failure is it shows you where your education, educational gaps are. Yeah, And it's like, and we, why would we want to stay blind to that? Why would we want to run with our heads down going, I'm perfect, nothing's wrong, I know everything. And it's like, no, like failure reveals to you, holds a mirror up to you and says, look, like if you want to get here, you got to fix this and then we can get there. Versus all of us, you know, whether that's our ego or pride being like, no, I'm going to get there and I don't need any help or I don't need to fix anything. And I'm, I'm perfect. And failure has another dimension to it. Doesn't it? Like it can, I mean, mm -hmm. it, it, cause sometimes it's not just, um, I lost the 30 grand. Yeah. Sometimes it's like, I'm an idiot. Yeah. You know, I'm a, mm -hmm. like what, what happened to me? I, I sold my business when I moved to Bethel. You probably know the story. I sold my business for, uh, um, for about $2.2 million dollars to the company who was supplying us. The escrow was supposed to be 90 days, turned into 18 months. Mm. And and then the week it was supposed to close, because we were we actually in escrow, they went bankrupt. <laughs> and not only did they not pay me, so I didn't have the 2.2 million, I owed 1.8. So, wow. you know, I was coming out with, what's that, like three or 400 grand. Mm. And that was going to be my living at Bethel for because mm -hmm. I agreed to work for free. And I'm like, here's where I'm going to make. And I'd put 20 years into the business. So, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I spent, like, I learned nothing from that for the first two years. Mm -hmm. All I learned is you're an idiot. You lost your house. I lost my house. 
I lost my businesses. Oh my God. Three businesses. I lost everything but my two cars and my furniture after 20 years. I lost the house my kids grew up in. We built that we built. So we went from living in, you know, not a mansion, but a nice house to living in an apartment with absolutely no money, owing 127 suppliers. And the reason why I say this is because, you know, sometimes it takes a while for failure to teach you a lesson. What was the lesson you learned from Well, that? one lesson, I learned several lessons. The first one is, is that I, I you know, when you're, when you're supposed to have a 90-day escrow mm-hmm. and it starts going four months, five months, six months, there is no way that any thinking person doesn't know there's something wrong. Yeah. yeah. But you want to believe what you want to believe. Mm. And I didn't have another buyer. So, <laughs> so I didn't want to chase away the bad buyer because I didn't have a new buyer. And yeah. I already moved to Bethel. Oh, wow. So, you know, so it's like I, I learned that I see what I want to see, not what's true. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I was smart enough to ask the question like, and why is the escrow 12 months? 13 months, mm-hmm. 14 months. But I didn't actually want to know the answer to that. I just kept alive like, oh, it's going to work. It's going to be okay. Yeah. And then also they were my supplier. So they were supplying auto parts to me. And uh, suppliers have a fill rate. So you order 100 parts and, and, you know, it's normal to get 97 of them, 98. Yeah. But for a year, their fill rate was in the 70s. I should have known like, oh, they're in financial trouble. Yeah. So were all these signs like like I mean as soon as they went broke I'm like oh I knew that like I you, you know it's like mm-hmm. I actually knew that yeah I actually knew they weren't going to buy me dang I, like the fantasy that this was going to happen mm-hmm. actually kept me from reality wow crazy and it cost me everything was there a fear that you were never going to make that type of money again that that was like your oh my one gosh chance to I do mean that? the first thing that happened is I you know like I, so I wake up. You know, uh, so one day I'm going to have 2.2 million mm. and pay off my 1.8 million oh dollar debt. God, yeah. And the very next day I owe 1.8 million and yeah. I have a job that pays no money. Mm-hmm. And then to make it worse, and you know what this is like when you have a relationship with the Lord, he says you can't go bankrupt. Because mm. I have a perfect, this is my perfect opportunity to go bankrupt. Yeah. This is what bankruptcy is for. 100%. And the Lord yeah. said, no, you won't be doing that. So... You know, it, it was a three three years of faithfulness of the Lord paying all that back, and much of it got forgiven. Someone prayed for me, and and three months later, half of it got forgiven. So I went from one point eight to nine hundred thousand. Wow! But nine hundred thousand when you don't have a job that pays anything—that's crazy. I mean, and what what year was this when this happened? Oh goodness, this was uh, twenty five years ago. Yeah, so nine hundred thousand—that's that a lot of money. Almost multi-million now. yeah and yeah. most of my my business headquarters was in weirville and for uh, about three years i couldn't even drive through the town Damn. i would just break out weeping wow because you know all the like all the all the things yeah. and, then, and then what people say about you yep you know because they're like mm-hmm. like they don't care that there was a deal they're mm-hmm. just like oh he's a flake yeah. you know and you have to deal with all of that like now you can't pay your bills mm. you got 127 suppliers you can't pay Probably thirty of those were personal friends. You know, yeah. I mean, I mean, they're you make friends when you're when you're doing business. Mm-hmm. So it was. That's why I said, like, sometimes, sometimes what you're learning in, in in failure isn't just about well, hey, you should have known about the contract. Yeah, you should have understood that something was wrong. Yeah, you learn all those lessons, but you learn a lot about you. A hundred percent. Yeah. And wow. I was trying to fix it for like three months. I tried to fix it. 
and my my wife, who's my business partner, wakes up one morning. This is a true story. She turns to me and she said, "I'm done. Do whatever you want, but don't include me. I'm done." Wow. And I'm like, "We're partners. Like, there's no way I can do it without you." Mm-hmm. And so that was the day I called the bank. It's, and that was the most embarrassing conversation I ever had. Dang. To this day, that marks as the most embarrassing conversation I ever had. They had lent me an extra three hundred grand in the middle of the process, mm-hmm. looking at the contract I had, and basically on my word. And I had to call them and say, "I can't. I won't ever pay you back." <sighs> that was a really tough conversation, and it wasn't for me about money. It was about uh, my grandfather said, "Your word is your bond." Yeah. Yeah, so I and walked with this m- with this stigma of fi- of being a failure, mm. not failing, mm-hmm. being a failure, mm. and that was a tough two years. Yeah, it, it feels like it's such a personal, it's like part of your identity. Yeah, it's hard to separate that. It's hard to separate failure from your identity. It is because you feel like it's like this is proof that I'm not going to achieve or I'm not good enough, and. It's really hard, and I think that's why I'm a fan of, if I'm coaching or mentoring someone, like you wouldn't go to the gym for their first time and try to lift 300 pounds. No. You'd break your, break your stuff. You know? Yeah, you'd break your stuff for sure, and, and your other stuff <laughs> yeah, too, your stuff. all your stuff. And, uh, you would, uh, and you'd be probably traumatized and probably wouldn't go back to the gym. Yeah. If you went and tried to lift 300 pounds and you broke your arm, you'd be traumatizing. Yeah. You go in and you go like, what, what's easy for me to lift now? that might wear me out a little bit. Yeah. You just barely push past that, that point. And I feel like failure is very similar. Mm. If you don't, if you, people think of failure and they're like, it's gonna, it needs to be this massive risk where I jump off a cliff yeah. or I go do this crazy thing where there's a lot of potential for public humiliation. It's like, if you want to be a public speaker, don't try to get a TED talk, <laughs> yeah, exactly. right? Get 10 of your friends and say, hey, I'm really nervous and scared. I'm going to talk to you about the subject I wrote and practice public speaking. And then you do that. And then maybe you share a testimony at your church in front of everybody. And then maybe, and it's like you build, it's like doing reps. Yeah. Failure is like reps. You do yeah. a level one out of 10, then maybe a two out of 10. And then you get an opportunity to do a seven out of 10. And you say, can I do this? Do I have the, yeah. you know, the, the emotional ability? And then you, you, you progress that way. And that's why I'm a, you know, because you you have a failure like you did. You didn't really have a choice for that. That just no. that was an educational experience that happened. Yeah. But and a lot of these failures, people avoid because they have the option whether to take the risk or not. And there's this fear of taking the risk because massive things happen that they don't like, and they're like, "I don't want to yep. add any more to my crazy life." And it doesn't have to be as high stakes as you think it, it does. Yeah, I agree. And and I, I think that, too, having people around you that can mm-hmm. look at your situation while you're in the midst of it mm-hmm. and give you some honest feedback when you're living in fantasy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, having, like, when you, when you and your example, when you do your first talk mm-hmm. with your 10 friends, and, you know, your friends are always like, that was great. You mm-hmm. know, like, I, I need real feedback. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. That's huge. Right? Yeah. I need real feedback. Yeah. Like you're not you're not helping me. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, that was kind of boring, or the first half of it was not good, or that story mm-hmm. you told wasn't clear. Yeah. Oh, I mean, those are the kind of failures that absolutely lead to success. Yeah. And it, it's so hard. It's so hard to go on stage <laughs> and to release a piece of art, and people are like, that wasn't good. Because <laughs> you're like, that was me. No, it wasn't you. That was an extension of you that's not perfected. And like, it's so hard for people to realize that that is not, it, it's not a piece of who you are, like what you create and what you release. It's like, it, it's an, it's, it's a, it's a piece of, 
something inside of you that you're releasing to the world, but it's not your identity. And for me, and I, I, I understand, like I give feedback sometimes and people maybe shut down and don't know what to do with it's it. It's painful. Yeah. It's painful. But the way like I, my brain operates <laughs> is I want to know the painful stuff because I would rather it be embarrassing with you <laughs> than on a bigger scale, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. And I, sometimes have like, you got, have you ever had your, did you have your book? Edited by an outside yeah. editor? Well, I had, so there's there's pain? several chapters in there that I sent to people who uh-huh. had concerned. Like there's a, there's a chapter called to the, to the school teachers. Uh-huh. And it's talking to school teachers about how they need to embrace failure and let failure in the classroom. Yeah. I sent that letter to about 50 school teachers. And I said, I, I need honest feedback. Don't blow, you know, don't yeah. fill me up with praise. I need to know what your honest opinion is. And I had some pretty harsh feedback at first, <laughs> you know? Um, and I needed that cause I'm like, I don't want teachers to read this and feel like I'm villainizing them. I want them so, to feel like charged and motivated to accept failure to their class. So I redid that chapter three or four times until I sent it in there. Like this feels like it's honoring to teachers and it's encouraging us to invite failure into the school system. I remember my first book, I wrote the book and sent it to an editor and it came back like covered in red and that really? wasn't the <laughs> words of Jesus. Yep, no. <laughs> it wasn't the words of Jesus, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yep. And I cried. Oh no. I literally cried. Like I had never written a book before. I had no idea. Like that's what they do. Oh, like no. editors are brutal, right? Yep. This is like your yep. baby and you're like, I love this book. Like, yeah. My baby. Don't uh-huh. tell me my baby's ugly, right? Yeah, exactly. But, but it's the only way you learn how to write well. It's the only way you learn how to do life well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the challenge is we have to not live, like in my case, I, I, had, I had to not live past, present. I had to learn how to live future, present. Because mm. otherwise I kind of have the PTSD thing and I spend my life trying to not fail again. Mm. And yeah. you don't learn anything from that. You don't, yeah. Well, okay, last thing you want to say. Anything you want to say? We're going to close. An inspirational thought, a Bryant Edom. So much pressure. So much pressure right now. You could fail. This could not be good. I don't know. And maybe this is me beating a dead horse or going back to something I already said, but I feel like maybe there's people listening to this podcast who have avoided failure because it feels like it's all or nothing. Like it's high stakes. Like if you if you decide to go on this journey that you're going to be faced with humiliation, embarrassment, and all of this crazy stuff's going to happen. And I don't like doing stuff like that. And I like failure because failure is inviting you into a process of taking baby steps mm-hmm. to where a level, like a level seven on a scale of one to 10 failure mm-hmm. um, right now might feel like a one in a year. Like you start taking the baby exactly. steps now, the, the ones that you think, and like an example, being on a podcast with you mm-hmm. two years ago, I would have been throwing up the whole way here. Because it'd, be, it'd be terrifying. You have a, you have a large audience and, and you're very well known and respected. And, but how I started my process is I'm going to be, I'm going to have my own podcast. I'm going to go speak on a podcast that has 10 downloads. that has 20 downloads and it really, it's repetition that yeah. builds confidence. Yep. And so I just want to encourage people that it's not a journey you have to go on. That's going to uproot and destroy and add chaos to your life. It's something that is baby steps towards pursuing what you're passionate about. And it's baby steps in like breakthrough. So beautiful. I think that's what I would say. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I just want to say thank you for joining us. This has been an incredibly enlightening journey. And I actually didn't know part of your journey. So even though I know you pretty well, um, and, and I, I do want to add to some of you have failed and you're like, I'm a failure. The only reason you're a failure if you failed is if you quit. Mm. If you quit, you're a failure. If you learn from it and move on, you're a success, and failure becomes your mentor, your guide, 
your friend really and you you'll you'll love again you'll 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 make money again you'll you'll win that thing again it it will happen if you learn and refuse to quit god bless you join us next week when we have another great guest Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. To stay connected, you can sign up for my weekly newsletter at chrisvalentin.com forward slash subscribe. God bless you.